Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, we're going to bring you the headlines of the week. Lots going on in the sports world. Conference realignment, which we touched on last week. U.S. Open golf tournament. The NBA Finals get to a Game 7. And obviously FIFA, World Cup soccer. We'll touch on all of those coming up in our headlines next. I'm blowing out segments 3 and 4 this week for one guest. His name is Rand Gatlin. You probably never heard of him. But he's a very powerful, knowledgeable person. He's the president and founder of Synergy Sports. And what his company does is it helps the compliance offices of universities make sure that they're complying with all the rules. And he's where they can't be. And in a nutshell, if he was working with a school like USC, he probably could have saved them millions of dollars from what they're now going to lose over the next five to seven years because they didn't comply and they had heavy sanctions levied against them last week by the NCAA. You're not going to want to miss my conversation with Rand Gatlin. We are really going to peel back the layers as to why college sports is so dirty and how many people have agendas both inside and outside of the college sports business and how they're using these athletes to make big, big cash. We'll talk about that coming up in segments three and four of today's show. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend or follow me on Twitter. I'm at SB Radio. Joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. B. Griggs, uh, you watching any uh, World Cup soccer? You know, I find myself here where I'm at in the studio. I do have a TV over to my right, and it's on all day long, so I find myself uh, actually kind of getting into it. And these tight games down to the final, you know, you're watching the clock tick, you're watching, you're wondering how much stoppage time is going to be added. Pretty exciting. We've got some interesting TV numbers and attendance numbers to share from the tournament thus far. We'll give those to you in our next segment. And again, NBA Finals. You know the NBA Finals? 62 days it took for the NBA playoffs. That's way too long. But it culminated in an epic Game 7. We'll talk about all of those things. Coming up next, you're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back, and it's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, NCAA conference realignment. We talked about it in great depth last week. And Griggs didn't really live up to a lot of the hype. At the end of the day, the Pac-10 in they add Colorado and Utah. The Big Ten adds Nebraska. The Mountain West adds Boise State. The Pac-10 couldn't persuade Texas to join the fold. And if Texas came to the Pac-10, then you're having the mega 16-team conference. The Big 12, they score because they keep Texas in the fold. The conference remains intact. Texas is now going to be allowed to start Longhorns TV They could gain as much as $25 million annually from having their own TV network and also their share of the Big 12 TV deal. It's just funny. The Big 10 now has 12 teams. The Big 12 now has 10 teams. And the Pac-10 has 12 teams. So none of the numbers add up. And the thing for the the Pac-12, I'll call them now, is now that they have 12 teams, they can have a postseason Game They needed to get to 12 teams to have that. We heard Larry Scott talk about that when he came to town here and met with us at our sports executive speaker series. So that was the magic number for them. And they add the Denver and the Salt Lake City markets to their conference. Yeah, not terribly excited about Colorado or Utah, but I think the championship game will be good for the Pac-12 or whatever they end up calling it because, you know, it just kind of gives that, that, that drive to the end of the season, you know. Last year was a civil war. Was basically the Pac-10 championship, but it's different every year. This year, or when they get these teams in here, it's going to be kind of a every year type of thing, and it makes for good TV too. Because then an ESPN or somebody's going to pick it up because it's going to be a big game. I give Larry Scott credit, the commissioner of the Pac-10. He was aggressive. He went for it. It didn't work out for him as far as getting Texas into the fold. Uh, the Big Ten was not able to get Notre Dame into the fold. So as we said last week, those were the two big targets. The conferences wanted Notre Dame. And they wanted Texas. They were willing to go to great lengths to get them, but it didn't work out. And Texas and Notre Dame, frankly, get to keep more of their own money now by remaining where they are. Headline number two, and we're going to talk about this in great detail in our next two segments with Rand Getlin, the president and founder of Synergy Sports. The NCAA placed USC on four years probation, imposing postseason bans and loss of scholarships, both for football and basketball. Reggie Bush and O.J. Mayo are the main culprits here. And, you know, this has gone on for four years as far as the investigation. The NCAA finally levied their sanctions against USC. And, Griggs, it's crippling. And it's going to change the look of the Pac-10 conference because USC has been so dominant in football. With the loss of those 30 scholarships, this really cripples them for the next five to seven years. And I think the, you're going to really see it you know, three, four years from now when they don't have the third running back on the bench that is Reggie Bush quality. You know, when they've just got their one guy or whatever and he goes down, where do they go? Well, and it puts more and more pressure on their coaches to land the proper recruits. They can't miss, in other words. You you can't miss on someone because you've got less scholarships, so you've got no room for error. We're going to see how this all works out. Hey, Lane Kiffin's making $4 million. His dad's making two point two. As a coordinator, they're getting paid the big bucks. They'll figure it out somehow. Our next headline, FIFA World Cup. Surprising, only four of the first 11 games in South Africa sold out. So the attendance at the venues, Griggs, not at all what they hoped it would be. 
Now on TV, the numbers, everyone wanted to know how many people watched the U.S. versus England, at least here in the United States. 10.8 million people. It's the fifth highest viewing audience in the United States for a soccer match of all time. Let me run them down for you. 1999 Women's World Cup. Final, U.S.-China. Women win that game. 18 million viewers. 94, Brazil-Italy. World Cup final, 14.5 million viewers. 94, Brazil-U.S., 13.7 million viewers. And 2006, the last final, Italy-France, 12 million. So, pretty good audience, but... You know, by comparison, 18 to 20 million people are tuning in for the Celtics-Lakers per game. You're getting half the audience for U.S. England, and everyone says, this is going to be a huge audience. It goes back to what I've said about soccer. The casual fan isn't engaging in soccer, not even on the World Cup level. And it's funny, I, I actually, I'm not a huge soccer fan, but I like watching the second half, or the last 20 minutes of the second half, because that's when it gets crunch time. It's almost like, you could, for me, you could start the game with 20 minutes left, tie it at 1-1, and just see what happens, you know? Now, let me give you some attendance numbers for uh, the last several World Cups as well. The average attendance. So, Germany, in 2006, average attendance, 52,000 people. South Korea and Japan, 2002, 42,000 people. France, 1998, 43,000 people. The U.S., 1994, 68,000 people. That's huge. It's the biggest number on this list. Italy, 1990, 48,000 people. Mexico, 86, 46,000 people. And Spain in 82, 40,000 people. I would doubt that South Africa is going to top the attendance from the last World Cup in Germany in 2006, the average of 42,000 people, especially, like I said, when we learn that four of the first, only four of the first 11 matches in South Africa sold out. You know, I wonder if the attendance being down has anything to do with those crazy horns they blow Ugh. for 90 minutes straight. Well, and TV <laughs> has had to adjust to that. They've yeah. had to, like, filter those out it's because crazy. it became so annoying. And Wimbledon came out this week and said, look, don't even think of showing up at the All England Tennis Club with those things because you won't <laughs> even get in the venue. So they are annoying, but, uh, you know, that's soccer fan for you. Our next headline, the Lakers and Celtics... Get to Game 7. Anytime that happens, that's enormous TV ratings. We'll have those numbers for you next week. We don't have them yet, but we can tell you that every single game of the NBA Finals on ABC has won the night in primetime for ABC. So they are thrilled with the ratings they've been getting. They are going to average over a 9.0. You remember we told you a few weeks ago that they made a promise to advertisers that if they didn't average 9.0, they would have to do some make goods. So that's not going to happen. Uh, game 5, 18.5 million people tuned in to watch that game. So we're talking very strong numbers, much better numbers than Lakers Magic last year. And again, anytime you have a Game 7 in sports, lots of people tune in. And with Lakers, Celtics, two household names, those numbers are going to be big. We'll give those to you next week. Our last headline of the week, the U.S. Open taking place at Pebble Beach. Griggs, I got to tell you, usually I'm super excited about the U.S. Open, especially if it's at a course that I've played and that I love like Pebble Beach here on the West Coast. But with the finals going on, with soccer, with so much college football being discussed, I almost feel like the U.S. Open this year is getting lost. And then I think you combine that with the fact 
that Tiger Woods, there just isn't the buzz around Tiger Woods. I mean, I think most people going into a previous Grand Slam, it's like, hey, Tiger's going to win this thing, or at least he's going to be in the mix. I think people are going to be surprised if Tiger is playing in one of the final groups come Sunday. Maybe we'll be surprised. Obviously, 10 years ago, he had probably the most dominant performance in a major of all time on this very course at Pebble Beach, but he's not the same golfer. And what it shows is how far Tiger has fallen in the last decade, in the la- especially in, in the last year. And the numbers show, Griggs, if Tiger's not in the mix come the weekend, the TV numbers are way down. Yeah, I know TV's probably hoping if Tiger's not, Phil is, because he's another one that, that pulls the ratings. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. It, it seems lost a little bit, it, just with everything else going on, especially the college football stuff. It's like you don't even really know about it, the U.S. Open. We'll have numbers for you from ESPN and from NBC for the coverage of the U.S. Open in our show next week. And you can always follow us on Twitter at SB Radio. We post those as we get them. All right, coming up in our next segment, Rand Gatlin. He's the president and founder of Synergy Sports. I was introduced to him by our friend Charles Robinson at Yahoo Sports. And uh, really fascinating guy, knows his business and works closely with compliance people in college athletics and is going to tell us how much money is it going to cost USC because they've been sanctioned by the NCAA so harshly over the next five to seven years. We'll also talk about his company and what they do to help universities avoid the types of pitfalls that USC found themselves in. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. More of the show is coming up. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to PumpkinRidge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Rand Gatlin. He's the president and founder of Synergy Sports. Rand's company offers a unique set of services, and in light of USC's recent penalties, highlighted by a two-year postseason ban and a loss of 30 scholarships, I wanted to bring Rand on Sports Business Radio to talk about how much money this could ultimately cost USC because they weren't compliant, and how a company like Synergy Sports could have helped an athletic department like USC's avoid these pitfalls. There's lots of money at stake here. This is all rooted in money. We're going to spend the next two segments talking about college sports. I've said for a long time on this show, there's a lot of dirty stuff going on there. Now, there's some good stuff, but there's a lot of seedy characters. And if you don't think it's seedy, you're just naive. 
That's the world we live in today. Rand, thanks for joining us on uh, Sports Business Radio. Lucky enough to have you in studio this week. Thanks for having me, Brian. I appreciate it. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about Synergy Sports and what your services are, and then we can go from there. All right. Well, Synergy is a relatively complex idea, but uh, breaking it all down, essentially what we serve to do is help universities to protect their own interests, the interests of their student-athletes. And we do that through education, empowerment initiatives, uh, and then also essentially keeping our ears to the ground and being a a bit of a watchdog for the university. But essentially we help uh, guide student-athletes through the agent selection process in order to help them avoid the pitfalls. And obviously uh, with the USC example, uh, the implications for the school are huge as well. So So – most schools, especially schools like USC, have compliance people on their staff. Now, in the case of USC, sounds like they only had two people in their compliance department. And you're trying to manage 120 football players. You're trying to manage a high-profile basketball program where O.J. Mayo was involved. And he was part of this whole debacle that took place at USC over the last six years Do you work with the compliance people? And I guess how open are they to having someone like yourself come in and and help them? Well, it's interesting. Compliance is actually extremely interested uh, in in this kind of help. And the reason is because what you mentioned, you know, uh, large compliance departments have five people. Uh, and I mean, they're managing hundreds of athletes, sometimes four or five hundred athletes, an entire program. And if you look at what Paul D said uh, in the recent COI findings, uh, he says it very explicitly: high. Profile athletes require high profile compliance. Well, right. what do you do when you've got a team of five? Say you're, you know, five to seven. That's a large compliance department. You've got a team of five to seven, and you need to figure out if Reggie Bush is getting money in, uh, you know, West Los Angeles, going to the bar, uh, getting drinks paid for him at one o'clock in the morning uh, while you're taking care of 700 other athletes. It's just, uh, it's almost an impossible task. So compliance is extremely receptive. Yeah, I mean, the quote from Paul D that you mentioned. And this is the quote. The real issue here is if you have high-profile players, your enforcement staff has to monitor those students at a higher level. High-profile players demand high-profile compliance. So, you know, what he's saying essentially, and I read uh, a good chunk of the report, is if you've got Reggie Bush, if you've got O.J. Mayo, if you've got Matt Leinart, these are players that require more attention than maybe the offensive lineman or the place kicker or the punter. You know there are going to be agents around these guys. You know that they're probably going to be playing on Sundays. So you got to pay attention to them. And I think what this report comes down to, and essentially what the NCAA said, is, look, if we had felt like USC was making an honest effort to monitor these activities – then the sanctions would have been much less severe than they were. But the NCAA committee did not feel like USC did an adequate job of monitoring the activities, especially with Reggie Bush and O.J. Mayo. Exactly. And, uh, you know, that's the issue. It's it's a question of, uh, you know, uh, what you've heard uh, uh, Pete Carroll say time and time again since this thing came down is, you know, listen, the standard is whether we knew and we did not know. And unfortunately for Coach Carroll, uh, I, I firmly believe he, he believes that. But the, the problem is that's not what the NCAA standard is. The standard is whether you knew or whether you should have known. And should have known is a subjective standard uh, put in place by the COI and the NCAA and, you know, essentially leaving your destiny up uh, in the hands of, of these individuals to determine whether you should have known if this was going on. It's dangerous. Uh, and in a program as large as SC or, or really any uh, major college program out there, a lot of money at stake. And when you leave your fate in the hands of the decision makers, uh, it doesn't always turn out right. We're going to talk about the money in a minute, but one of the things you said when I asked you about what Synergy Sports does is you talked about that you help 
players with the agent selection process. Now, the naysayer out there, the cynic that's listening to this show may say, well, isn't that kind of a conflict of interest? Are right. you going to steer them towards agents that you have a relationship with? Are you benefiting financially from steering them to an agent? Answer that question. Great. Well, that's a question we actually relish uh, answering. It's We've created a program that is extremely unique, and uh, I've had a unique subset of experiences that have allowed me to really kind of figure out exactly what the naysayers would say and, quite frankly, what I want to avoid uh, any hint of, and that is impropriety. So our program is based uh, very largely on analytically driven quantitative and qualitative analysis. So uh, we, we focus on our data-driven, rather. We focus on the data. So, for instance, uh, you can find out uh, – it's not easy, but you can find out how many times an agent has been fired. By whom? Go and interview those players and figure out what the firing is for. Then give the agent a chance to answer for himself. Record all these conversations. Provide them to the student athlete. And it's as objective a uh, uh, you know a deciding factor for them as you can possibly give them. Here's what the agent says. Here's what the kid says. And here are how many firings that have occurred. Uh, that's one subset of analysis that we would give to the players in order to help them do that. But the biggest task for us is to remain objective. So we've eliminated the conflicts in a couple ways. We charge schools a flat fee to work for them. Uh, the kids don't pay us a dollar. Whether you're a first-rounder, uh, getting signed for fifty. $50 million. Because that would be a violation if they paid you, right? Absolutely. Well, they could pay you real time. But here's the, the reality of it is most of these kids don't have enough money to pay a team full of attorneys uh, and individuals with the professional expertise to help them through this process, right? If you look at a uh, Warren Buffett or a Bill Gates or a Carlos Slim, how do they make multi-million dollar decisions? Certainly not with the aid of an uncle or an aunt or you know your mother uh, who raised you as a single mother uh, who just don't have the experience with these large-scale business deals. Um, so what we've done is created a, a program that is uh, as objective as humanly possible, and we never, ever, ever will direct a kid towards or away from an agent. All we do is provide them with the data. Uh, now, there are a number of things we do on the educational side to get them to think about uh, the process that they're engaging in in a more thorough fashion because they are going to be out there on their own at some point, and you want to make sure that they're empowered to make these decisions effectively in the future. Uh, but essentially, it's uh, it's we, we've gone to great lengths to create checks and balances uh, to ensure that uh, there are no uh, conflicts. Also, though, you work directly with the compliance office, and there's an NCAA bylaw 12.3.4 that governs the parameters by which you can actually provide these services to student athletes. So there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of checks and balances in place already. Uh, if you think about the system, and then we've added our own to ensure that our company is beyond reproach. My guest is Rand Getlin. He's the president and founder of Synergy Sports. How open are the coaches and some of the other people to a company like yours coming in? Because, look, you and I both know that there are coaches, there are high school coaches and college coaches that are getting kickbacks from agents for delivering certain players to certain agents. It's a fact. You can email me all you want. But it is a fact. Again, your, your head is in the sand if you think this is not the world that we're living in. So when a coach sees you arrive on the scene and your team arrive on the scene, what are they thinking? Well, it's interesting. Um, I mean, there are a number of ways you can go with this answer, but I'll keep it safe. Uh, coaches are um, are very focused on what they're doing, and they're experts uh, at the X's and the O's, and also at the operational side of things. I mean, obviously, to get to a head coaching position in Division One athletics, you got to be very talented, charismatic. You have to have a lot of uh, things that that will uh, enable you to succeed in that realm. 
what they are not necessarily always experts in uh, is all of the, I guess, what goes into making the sausage aspects of the game. Um, so coaches would be a heck of a lot more receptive uh, if they actually uh, took the time to sit down and recognize what this program would do uh, for their university, i.e. protect it from a, a Reggie Bush type situation. Because as you mentioned earlier, the NCAA isn't looking for you to be perfect. I mean, they mentioned that explicitly. What they're looking for you to do is uh, engage in best efforts to avoid these kinds of things from occurring. So coaches uh, generally are receptive insofar as this is a thing, uh, this is a program that if they put in place could be a tremendous recruiting benefit for you. Think about you as a parent. You're sitting in the living room uh, with a head coach, and you've got uh, you know, the University of Alabama and Nick Saban. They've got a program uh, that does a couple of the same things that we do, uh, not quite as comprehensive or extensive, but similar. And Coach Saban says, listen, we care about your kids so much. We're going to turn him into a man. All these coaches say these kinds of things. Right. We're going to bring him into our family. And uh, we're not only going to help him on the field, but off the field. And we're going to ensure that he succeeds long term. Now, this is a regular pitch, right? Some variation thereof. All the coaches say that. And they say, well, what do you do? Uh, what do you do to help our kids once they're done with school? Well, we have a program that helps them to succeed in the professional realm. This is all the things that we do. We help them choose their agent, their uh, financial services advisors, et cetera. Uh, and the next school comes in. And the parents say, well, listen, Nick Saban just got to tell us about this wonderful program he has to help our kids out. What do you do? Coach stares at you blankly, starts bumbling over his words, and uh, doesn't have much to say. Uh, it's going to be a problem. You're going to lose some kids. So coaches are receptive insofar as they see it as a recruiting benefit and uh, something to protect the program. But I guess if I'm a coach and I've got a pipeline for leading kids on my team to a certain agent and I'm getting a kickback, if I see someone like you arrive on the scene and now you're giving my player – data on other agents that may be more beneficial to their career than the agent I've got a relationship with, I'm probably not real happy to see you on my campus. Certainly. And, and you know, as you mentioned, it, we'd be naive to say that that never, ever goes on. However, I like to remain as optimistic as possible. I think most of these guys are straight shooters. I think that it's just something that's so far off their radar, they don't really fool with it until this, you know, USC thing came down. Now they have to pay attention. But the reality is we have a, a university that, that we've been looking at for quite a while and, and discussing things with. And, um, you know, there's three quarterbacks uh, that have been under the tutelage of this specific coach. All three quarterbacks ended up with the same agent. That agent was the coach's agent, uh, and all three quarterbacks ended up firing the agent, and uh, we got a chance to talk to one of them and, ex and ask him why he ended up firing the agent, and the answers were you know, pretty uh, telling. So at, at the end of the day, you know, whether it's uh, for money reasons, whether the coach is directing them there for money reasons or because he thinks he's a good guy – it's difficult to put all of that responsibility on a coach's shoulders. He doesn't always have the expertise necessary to tell a kid whether this guy is great or not. All right. We've got another segment with Rand Gatlin coming up. This is a fascinating conversation. What we're going to talk about next, how much money could USC have potentially saved themselves if they had brought in a company like Synergy Sports to comply with the NCAA rules? And how much money are they going to pay over the next six years because it's going to take to turn around their program? You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. This is SBR. Back with more after this. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one -on -one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think 
there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what's, or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We are back and we're continuing our conversation with Rand Gatlin, the president and founder of Synergy Sports. Met him this week. Really interesting guy. Very interesting business concept. And we're blowing out our show this week to talk about some of the problems with college sports in light of a very high-profile program, USC, just getting slapped by the NCAA. Let's finish up our conversation on coaches. You know, the bottom line is, Rand, is that a lot of the players, they look at the coaches as a trustworthy father figure. So when they're looking for an agent, they go to their coach and they say, coach, you know, help me with two things. A, can you steer me in the right direction with an agent? And also, um, where am I going to go in the draft? Can you help me figure out, am I a first round pick? Am I a fourth round pick? I mean, in the NBA, this really holds true with coaches who talk to their network of NBA people or coaches who talk to their network of NFL people, where's this guy going to go? I'm trying to give him a good idea, especially if you're leaving early. Is it worth it to leave early? So that's part of the problem is it's set up so the coaches have such an influence with the kids. And if you've got a coach who's on the take with an agent, and it's not just coaches, it's assistant coaches, it's in the NBA, it's AAU coaches, it's high school coaches, heck, it's even cheerleaders that are helping agents deliver multi-million dollar athletes to their front doorstep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely a big problem. If you think about the the, the scope of the problem, look at Reggie Bush, for instance. Uh, his signing bonus was $28.65 million. His agent gets 3% of that unless he negotiated it down. So you do the numbers really quickly, and you're looking at around $900,000. They've got federal legislation and state-based legislation uh, put in place to co- help protect against this kind of stuff. And then also the NCAA leg- legislation I mentioned, 12.3.4, which allows for coaches to actually engage in some of the things you were discussing. Uh, but the point of the matter is uh, the federal legislation, the state-based legislation, and the NCAA legislation with it which is without force of law uh actually has you know n- very little teeth uh to sink into the kid uh or even the agent if an agent is punished caught cheating red-handed under sparta and uh which is the uh federal legislation and UAAA, i think you know i don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head but i believe it's ten thousand dollar max fine and up to a year in prison which for a first time convict is uh side speak for probation so really you know, for a guy who's already unscrupulous, is the deterrent uh, enough to keep them away from doing whatever they need to do to get a chunk of that nine hundred thousand dollars? Absolutely not. These guys cheat all the time. So, yeah, I mean, with the coaches right now, the NCAA is having their regional rules seminar uh, down in uh, Dallas, and as we speak, they're speaking about how to avoid Reggie Bush type situations. Part of the problem is uh, coaches all over the country help their kids to choose their agents. And again, I'm an optimist, so I think that most of them are good guys. However, on its face, that is an NCAA violation. Uh, if you go read 12.3.4, it essentially lays out how a school could help a kid if they wanted to. Uh, but it says you know, implicitly, if you don't do it this way, you can't do it. And the reason is, is for that very matter. I mean, how do we know a coach is not getting paid? And one of the, uh, <laughs> one of the bullet points on the NCAA presentation here is issues, current issues. 
agents paying coaches to deliver players uh, to to that, you know, and through runners. And then the second issue is assistant coaches helping players choose their agents. So it's an issue that's on the NCAA's radar. More schools than you could ever imagine engage in this conduct. And it's, as again, it's an NCAA violation on its face. Rand Gatlin, the president and founder of Synergy Sports, is our guest. Let's talk about how much money USC has profited from Reggie Bush and O.J. Mayo. But then also, let's talk about how much money this could potentially cost USC over the next five or six years. We've got two somewhat similar case studies to base some of these numbers off of. Miami and Alabama, both in football, both had similar instances where they got slapped by the NCAA. And in both cases, it took about five to seven years for these programs to return to national prominence. The postseason ban is very harmful to the brand. Uh, It obviously hurts your recruiting efforts. But the loss of scholarships, the 30 scholarships, and now we find out this last week that juniors and seniors at USC are able to transfer without sitting out. So already a few players have taken advantage of that and transferred. This is something that's going to hurt USC's program for the next five to seven years at least. But let's talk about how much money. I read a Forbes article this week, and it said that with... The combination of increased attendance, which this reporter said about 28,000 additional fans attended USC games once Pete Carroll came on board and Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart were there at the Coliseum. Um, You're looking at merchandise sales. Lots of Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart jerseys were sold. You're looking at alum donations. Hey, we have a great football team. I want to reach into my pocket as an alum and give more to the school. He values that six-year period between 2004 and 2009 as benefiting USC to the tune of between 42 and $54 million. That's a lot of money. But I'm guessing that the money that USC is going to lose in the next five to seven years is going to make that $54 million look like chump change. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the reality is it's incalculable. You have no idea what the ultimate impact is going to be, but it's going to make it look like chump change. If you look at the Miami example, uh, they explain that they got hit with a, a number of scholarship uh, scholarship reductions. And, you know, the way that they, they kind of worked around it, they started giving out track scholarships and academic scholarships, and they found creative ways to do it. But at the end of the day, the reason Miami suffered uh, for between six and eight years is because they didn't have the depth necessary. Football is a brutal game. These kids are going to go down. And who do you have to back up Reggie Bush? Well, they had Lindale White. You know, that's not a bad one-two combo. And if Lindale went down, they had a bevy of five-star running backs sitting on the bench uh, who never even saw the field. So they were going to be good. You're not going to have that now. You're losing 10 scholarships per year. They've never booked out a full class. They usually sign somewhere in the ballpark of 20 to 22 players or so. Uh, But, you know, when you're taking away 10 scholarships per year, uh, three years from now, they are really going to feel the pain from that. So the financial implications are tremendous. As you mentioned, donors give a lot of money when your team is doing great. They're not going to give so much money when your team's not doing well. Also, quite frankly, I am sure a number of USC fans are really embarrassed by this situation, and they are not as proud uh, of the teams that they put on the field those years because they understand now that they were tainted. Uh, So, you know, how does that impact your bottom line? It is incalculable, but it is a tremendous amount of money. Uh, And again, uh, there was an article that I read uh, today, and there's a a lawyer out in Florida, uh, and his name escapes me right now. But anyway, he helps universities uh, fight NCAA charges, and he's a USC graduate. And one of the things that he mentioned is, is a terrific point. Geez, how much money could they have saved themselves had they spent a few thousand dollars on due diligence on the front end? 
Well, and that's, you know, we talk about this on our show all the time. One of the terms I use the most, return on investment. Now, anyone who has half a brain will tell you if you invest a few thousand dollars to save a few million dollars, not a few hundred thousand dollars, but a few million dollars, it's a pretty darn good investment. Um, USC didn't do that here. Some people are going to say, Rand, you know what? Look, Pete Carroll, he's got 120 football players on that team. How is he supposed to monitor their off-the-field activities 24-7? Did he really know this was going on? You know, one thing I would say, two things I'll say. First of all, anyone who listens to the show knows that in 2007, late in the year, I went down and spent three days with Pete Carroll and the U.S. football operation. And, you know, I would say I think Pete Carroll's a terrific coach, but I definitely left there with some raised eyebrows wondering, huh, you know, there's just something. And, and to me... The whole, I was around O.J. Mayo when he was in eighth grade and the first eighth grader ever invited to Nike's All-America camp. And from that time on, everyone was on O.J. Mayo's trail. Hey, this guy, he's getting invited by Nike to come to their camp in eighth grade. He must be pretty good. He's recruited by North Carolina. He's recruited by Duke. He's recruited by Kansas, all the basketball powers. And all of a sudden, we're supposed to believe the story that Tim Floyd sitting in his office one day the then head coach of USC, and the phone rings, and it's someone saying, hey, O.J. Mayo wants to come to USC. Right. I mean, how stupid do they think we really are that O.J. Mayo turned down all those basketball powers and he's just coming to USC because they have a good school? I'm not buying it. And to me, that was the of all the violations I've seen or all the things that just didn't add up, that was the one. I mean, Reggie Bush and Matt Leiner going to USC to play for Pete Carroll makes all the sense in the world. Right. The problem with them was, okay, now they're trying to get to the next level, and there were a lot of CD people around. Pete Carroll, you know what? At the games I went to, and if you watched USC games, lots of people on the sidelines. He opened it up to celebs. He opened it up to lots of people. He opened the locker room to a lot of people. There were a lot of people that were around that program, whether Pete knew of the conversations that were taking place or not. He knew boy, we sure got a lot of people in our locker room. We sure got a lot of people on our sidelines. And when you do that, you open up a lot of scenarios for getting yourself in trouble or getting your players in trouble. And that's where I would fault him. Absolutely. I mean, I listened to that uh, that interview you did with Pete. And at the very end of it, uh, you say to him, you know, do you ever see yourself leaving? Absolutely not. This is the perfect situation for right. me. And I would never leave unless we got in trouble. He says that. Well, you know, unless we got in trouble. Or, came... or he did say, too, unless I was given full control of an NFL team, which he was in Seattle. But look, again, none of us are naive. I think Pete knew the the pressure was coming. The hammer was going to come down. He saw an NFL opportunity and, and he left it the, the perfect time. Reggie Bush is now gone. I mean, one of the problems I have with college athletics is I think, you know, Everyone should have a record, and if you're going to go from one school to the next, if you're John Calipari and you're leaving Memphis and you're going to Kentucky and Memphis gets slapped with penalties because of what John Calipari did under his tenure, those should follow him to Kentucky. Why should the next person coming in be penalized for what John Calipari did? I think it makes no sense. I've said this for years. The problem is... Reggie Bush and Pete Carroll are in the NFL, so there's no penalties that are going to follow them to the pros, and Reggie Bush has benefited, as you outlined earlier, tremendously from his time at USC. I mean, what do you say, $28.5 million in signing bonus? He's got endorsement deals 
you know, with Adidas and, and right. many other companies. He had a high profile at USC. He was on TV all the time. So, you know, part of it is because he was a tremendous player. But I just, you know, there was a lot of things there where none Raises of this surprises flags. me, I guess. Right. And if we can see it from as far away as we sit, I can't imagine that these coaches don't at least go, you know, there's something weird going on here. We better look into this a little deeper. Yeah, well, you made a great point earlier. And what you said is, you know, how do they, uh, you know, look over all 120 players or whatever it is? They don't have to. Paul D. makes a great point. This would never have happened with a fourth rounder. Now, I've heard of a, a sixth rounder uh, who was paid $150,000 at a major university uh, and to, from an agent and then ended up firing that agent. Uh, so it does happen with lower round guys. However, having said that, uh, you do pay more attention to your high profile guys than your low profile guys. And if you do that, if you pay attention to the guys that are first rounders, second rounders, you're going to mitigate the damage that may be done down the road uh, by not paying attention to it at all. We've got just about a minute and a half left. How can people find you if we've got college athletic administrators listening to this show and they go, you know what? Maybe it is worth it to spend a few thousand dollars to save a few million dollars. How can they find you? You can find us on the web at www.synergysports.com, and Synergy is S-Y-N-R-G-Y. And you can also find us on Twitter at synergysports.com forward slash synergysports. So, uh, I'm sorry, twitter.com forward slash synergysports. But, uh, you know, we're around. We're not hard to find. And uh, many of these college administrators have heard from us throughout the year. Uh, We did a rundown the other day, and we've sent off 543 individual emails to 12 programs. Uh, so, you know, we've been out there uh, on the trail for quite a while, and uh, we want to help these schools avoid these problems in the future. Well, and I want to say this. We didn't get a chance to get into this, but Rand has one of the most amazing backstories of anyone that you'll ever hear of. And I'm going to post this on my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm going to send it out on Twitter, too, at SB Radio. You've got to read this. I mean, you know, some of you may be listening and going, what what are Rand's qualifications? What's his background? I'm going to let you know about that on our blog because uh, this guy is very qualified. He's very sharp, and uh, I think he could really help change college athletics if some of these compliance people and coaches buy into what he's trying to do to clean up the NCAA. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week on Sports Business Radio. I appreciate you having me, Brian. Thanks a lot. We've got one more segment to go. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back with our final segment. A few notes before we close. Major League Baseball Commissioner Bud Selig this week 
announced that the Kansas City Royals in Kauffman Stadium will host the 2012 Major League Baseball All-Star Game. It'll be the third time Kansas City has welcomed the Midsummer Classic. It was held at then Royal Stadium in 1973 and Municipal Stadium in 1960. Our last note, we all know that LeBron James is being sought after by many, many teams. The free agency recruiting period starts July 1. You can sign free agents starting on July 8th. And the New York Knicks, they've assembled the following people to help recruit LeBron James and the rest of the top-tier free agents to New York. Donald Trump, Alec Baldwin, Tracy Morgan, Boomer Esiason, Spike Lee, Chris Rock, Charlie Rose, John McEnroe, Donnie Deutsch, Whoopi Goldberg, Mark Messier, Phil Simms, Willis Reed, Walt Frazier, and Earl the Pearl Monroe. They're all going to be part of the recruiting efforts to try and get LeBron James and potentially Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, any of the other marquee free agents, Amari Stoudemire, to the Big Apple. Griggs, uh, would you listen to any of those guys? You know what? It sounds like one of those movies where they put all the stars in it, and it's terrible. It's just a terrible movie. That's what that sounds like, that lineup. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know who I'd trust on that one. <laughs> well, I mean, that would take a lot of time to meet with all those people. I'll bet you there's going to be like some pre-recorded messages from them. Um, Spike Lee's always been in on the efforts to recruit free agents to the Knicks. But, uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to make any difference. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be show me the money. And there are several teams that can offer LeBron a max contract, and he says he wants to win championships. But, you know, it'll definitely be part of the drama and the sensationalism that is the recruiting of LeBron James over the next few weeks. Lots of thank yous on our show. Rand Gatlin of Synergy Sports. Terrific interview with him. You can hear it on demand on sportsbusinessradio.com. Our show staff, Brian Griggs, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. You can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. We're on Twitter at SB Radio. We have a new Facebook page. Go to facebook.com slash sportsbusinessradio. Become our friend there. I'm Brian Berger for Brian Griggs. Have a terrific week, and we'll talk to you next weekend right here on Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.